Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel Markins. Good to be back at the table with these two fine gentlemen sitting with Paul Siemens. Hey, everybody. And Jeff Buckham. Hi, Daniel. How are you? So great, Jeff. Hey, good to have you back. Oh, thanks, man. It's been a couple weeks, I think. It has been a couple weeks. I, I We didn't have an episode last week. Oh. Because the robot made a return. Skipping out. Oh. I was out of the office because Jeff was out of the office and I couldn't bear it no more. I actually had a uh, another reason. I had a friend, my old roommate from college. He lives in California, but we were roommates together in Chicago, and he wanted to come up <laughs> for a visit. So I took him to all the uh, the fancy BC places. Him being so a what, California guy. Yeah, I was going to say, what are the fancy BC places well, when you have somebody thing, ju- when you have somebody coming? What are the things that you show them well, in our me, area? Jeff, that's a, that is a great question. I'm going to. Did you take him right to now. Rempel's first or some farmer sausage? No, I did not. What well, the first thing I took him for, as I said, okay. That Steve, you got uh, you have In and Out Burger, but meet the Triple O's, double double. Oh wow! And so we sat in a Chevron, yeah, in the little Triple O's, yeah. and had a burger there. What do you think? Uh, he liked it a lot. Yeah, he said, oh, "I still like In and Out," and I said, "Well, potato, potato, to <laughs> each their own." So how the- <laughs> are you serious? You're a tri- you you Dude, would you triple would choose o's- Triple O's over the over In and Out? Yeah, usually you eat one In and Out, you're hungry again. Although each burger is only like two dollars. Yes, that's so true. You can get more mm-hmm. of them. But yeah, I'm re- I really like the Triple O's. Okay. So then I took him around Vancouver, hit some coffee places and mm-hmm. uh, tacos downtown, and it rained, which was perfect. Mm. I was like, this is the authentic Vancouver. So experience. W- when where do you like if you were at a coffee place? What mm. is? It? I mean, obviously that's the thing you do. There's no old yeah. hand in downtown Vancouver, Daniel. Dude, there's no old do? hand, what but do you there do? is Nemesis Coffee. Nemesis. Oh wow, that is a really good one. That sounds very hip. Oh, that uh, sounds and and dangerous. and then what else did you do? We went to Cascade Falls. We went. Oh, that's the one up in uh, Mission. Mission there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, I actually cool. took him up to the Mission Monastery. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. which was cool. Saw the view. It was like a little hike, except we didn't have to do much hiking. Then uh, White Rock Pier, fish and chips. Oh yeah, which was perfect because it was sunny that day. He's from Southern California. Yeah, and you took him to the pier at White Rock. Yeah, because they don't have fish and chips in, White Rock, in California. <laughs> I don't think they have. Fish I'm chips. pretty sure that somewhere <laughs> they do. Maybe, but not like they do here. Okay. And, so which place uh, did you go to? Uh, Coney Island. All right. And it was perfect. We waited like seven minutes for the food because there's no lineups because there's no people. Yeah. It's still March. It was a little rainy. Point. Yeah. And then uh, we went there a couple of weeks ago and it was it was that one day where it was like 20 degrees and that yeah. place it was so busy. Jammed. Oh, goodness. It was really hard to find parking. Anything it was just. And yeah, then uh, Thursday. Is White Rock kind of the the Riviera of this place? Is it? Is that what is that what I hear you guys saying? White Rock is a close enough getaway to feel. Like you've yeah. gone somewhere special. Just so you know, like you know, it, it's a forty-minute drive, and you're at the you're at a beach uh, with a pier. Is that what we're calling it? It's a beach. Sure. Well, anything on the shore. Well, it's technically it's kind of a mud flat, isn't it's it? It's not. It's <laughs> well, water, it's not a nice white a sandy beach. Like, because this is the thing. I'm and this is me. I, you have to understand. Like I, south of the border, I get it. I just I've never heard anybody talk about Birch Bay or Blaine as a mm-hmm. as a real destination. I mean, Birch Bay, kind of, because they used to have water slides, and maybe they still do, and it's sort of, mm-hmm. but it's not really a, you just don't find people flocking to it. Like, like they talk about White Rock as mm-hmm. this, like, ooh, sunny day, we're going to White Rock. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say, ooh, sunny day, let's go to Blaine, ever. 
And that's exactly yeah. where it is. Have you ever gone to White Rock? Oh, yeah. Been to White Rock several times. Yeah. So it's climbed. built up Have a little nicer the White Rock? than Blaine. Yeah. Jeff, yeah. you climbed the White Rock? But was again, it, there's I, actually shops and restaurants. You know, I, 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 get the, right. I get the shops and restaurants thing. I just, uh-huh. uh, yeah. There's I don't ice know. cream. All right. I don't see it. That's I don't, fine. I don't get the White Rock love. I don't. But it's okay. I, I, I'm a fool. I could, yeah, okay. Then I can see False Creek. I get that. I, False Creek, Vancouver, English Bay. That's great. Good times. But White Rock, I don't, yeah. Hmm. If you live well, in White Rock and you're listening to this, I apologize. Right. But then again, I, you know, like, you I'm, tr- I'm trying folks, to figure Jeff out what I would. White Rock. <laughs> and he's made it known to if the I, church. If I, I've often wondered if someone came to Abbotsford to visit us, what would we do? Well, here's the last, the next thing I did. We do. I took him to Fort Langley. Ooh, now that's a good one. Which I think cool actually that might be the well, choice. We were history majors together, so I said, "Do you want to see a, an old fort? There it is." Yeah, sure. And I said, "Here you go." That's and then that store we were in earlier, the Bay Hudson's mm-hmm. Bay. That's the the company's still around after the fur trade and stuff. And we yeah. walked around in there. So yeah. it looks, looks a little different now than it did then. <laughs> a little bit. It does. <laughs> yeah. Although there's still a blacksmith in there, and I wonder. You don't find any beaver. Sell? There's no beaver. Who's pro- buying from that blacksmith? Oh, in the these bay. Days, you, were, you were saying the bay, though. Yeah, the bay. It looks a little different than it I did I think back Fort then. Langley does, too. I don't think the bay sells beaver pelts anymore. Yeah. Hmm. So is White, Rock the, is White Rock kind of Fort Langley-ish to you? Fort, Fort Langley-ish? Yeah, you know what, like, like quaint and... Uh, is, no. that, is that what you think? Because it doesn't feel quaint to me. No. Okay. No, White Rock is cosmopolitan, overpriced, and uh, okay, and on a but on a sunny day when you've got the pier and there's like a couple of ice cream shops, it's just a nice place. It's a nice drive out there. You drive through the country down zero or whatever. Yep. Okay. It's a nice drive. It's not that far. Getting to English Bay is always a chore, right? Because because yeah. you have to drive. There's no great access to there from here. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a pain driving through. And the then city, you got to pay so. for parking at White Rock. You don't have to pay for parking. Yeah, if you, you know where you're going, Paul. Oh, uh, where's the free parking? Here's a, here's a tip for you're everybody. Tell our, all I'm going to tell the listeners so because you, you know what? You've again? been sticking with us this long for 340 something episodes. If you, as soon as you go up the kind of that hill that separates the beaches yeah. at White Rock, uh-huh. there's like a tiny little, it looks like a driveway. It's a real spirally road. If you drive up it, it's super steep and very kind of scary. And then you get to the top of it and you go up a little bit. There's free parking on this hill. You never have to pay for it, but you do have to work for it because you have to hike. Sure. Speaking of awesome things to do on the weekend, next weekend, Jeff, we have a leadership meeting here at the church. Yeah. Could you tell us what's happening and what you were doing at that meeting? Uh, So the leadership meeting this weekend is uh, there will be some who are listening to this who have have been invited or involved. You're invited if you've been involved in some area of... uh, service in the church, uh, whether it be children's ministry or lots of stuff, lots and lots of stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a meeting where we're getting together. Normally we do three, them three times a year at the beginning of the kind of community group cycle. So this is the last community group cycle of the year. It's the spring one, but this time's a little different. We're not, we usually just do community group leader training, but this time we're doing a little bit of vision casting for the future of our church. I shouldn't say a little bit. We're doing a lot. A lot of, a lot of it. A lot. So if you are interested at all in the the future of Northview and kind of what the elders have been talking about and what it is that we want to see happen in the next 10 to 20 years hmm. here and around Canada and around the world and what our part to play in it, we pray will be, then you should come out. 
there's probably going to be sausage and bacon and, and eggs and stuff too. So do they have to that's sign worth, up? I think, well, I think there's an RSVP. Oh, if mm-hmm. there is, then yes, you should sign so. up, but it'd be well worth your time, especially if you've got the invitation. You'd be well worth your time to show up. Jeff, can you give us a hint of, uh, what some of that stuff is going to be, or Jeff, is that Jeff complete, can you give away everything you're going to say so can you? people to the, don't to need the to wake devoted up? listeners of this program? <laughs> who, who sure. Uh, in short, I've, our our church is in the process of talking through uh, is, is talking through uh, how we can better make disciples by multiplying uh, healthy local churches around our region and world. Mm-hmm. So there it is in one sentence. Full That's stop. awesome. Yeah, no, it's right because I mean that's that's the call of the church is to go and make disciples. It is, and it's the belief that the making of disciples happens not just best, but it happens necessarily through the local church, mm-hmm. and yeah. then healthy local churches are necessary for uh, for both of the proclamation of the gospel in their community yeah. and also for the making of those disciples there. And so uh, we need to be committed wholeheartedly to. This is a word. This is not a word, but the healthifying of local churches right. around our region and world. And there's lots of different ways we can do that through pastoral training and planting and replanting, and mm-hmm. and also making our church uh, as healthy as we possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to require some changes I- into some of the ways that we do ministry and some of the stuff that we are involved in, and uh, probably will involve something having to do with with buildings and all that kind of stuff. So uh, all of that's involved in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, can we just talk about that a little bit? You mentioned, well, making disciples that comes from the great commission. Yeah. Correct. Matthew 28, yeah. Matthew 28. And oftentimes don't we tend to interpret that kind of wrong? Like we think the, uh, probably, well, <laughs> the, so, cause I've heard you talk about it, that the make disciples is actually the main point of that. And there's three ways of doing that. Well, you know, ways of doing that, the, the way that the language works there. Uh, the Greek language works is that there's one uh, main verb and it is make, right. di- is make disciples. And then there's three, what we call uh, participles. They're modifying their ing words, you know, like, uh, but they're, they're modifying the main verb. So like the baptizing, I, yeah. Baptizing and, and teaching uh, sending is actually one of one of the, or go mm-hmm. the, the first, they, they treat that a lot of the translators treat that as a, as a command. And it probably has that kind of force, but it, the, the the point of the passage is um, make, making dis I mean make disciples going baptizing and teaching them to obey all I command so uh, you get it, in other words the passage itself tells you how this is supposed to be done right. at least the viewpoint that it has you, you go outside the walls of your church and and your body you go and you find people you to baptize them and then you teach them to obey all he commanded you but that that teaching to obey all he commanded you probably the baptizing itself are supposed to happen within the con, within the context of a local church mm-hmm. and so the local church is a necessary piece that's that's what you see in the book of acts right the local church is a necessary uh, it, it is a necessary aspect to the making of disciples so uh, mm-hmm. the, good disciples will be made if you have good healthy local churches so that's really what we, we want to be on about is is making good, healthy local churches with good leaders that have certain marks to them, or good leadership, a commitment to scripture, not just a, you know, not just a commitment that you write down and yeah. on a doctrinal statement, but a practical commitment to scripture where you're really centering your ministry, discipleship ministries around mm-hmm. the preaching of God's word and the proclamation of it in all kinds of settings. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we've turned in our attention recently in our men's ministry and women's ministries toward... Uh, 
the Bible toward Bible study and that sort of thing. Yeah, and there's other marks of of healthy churches, right? You want a commitment to, and I think an openness to the Spirit, a commitment to prayer, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, lots of fun. Paul, would you add anything to that? No, I mean, it's exciting, right? It's exciting to be. It's exciting to be at Northview, to be a part of a church that um, God is. Um, God is clearly working among us, and we've got a great, uh, a great team that knows how to work well together, and we've got uh, great, generous uh, people who are a part of our church. And so, to be in a in the place we're at, and uh, to be looking towards the future and the and the possibilities of what God can lead us to, and and what we believe He is leading us to, are just I mean, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What I love about this is, as a young person, it it's the church saying we're not going to get comfortable but that we're going to live mm-hmm. on mission and we're going to press in and, you know, yeah. attack, right? Yeah. You talked about the forward tilt. We're, we're going to lean forward as a church. and Yeah, we should be. Yeah. There's a, there's a kind of aggressive approach that we should be taking to this. It's one of the pieces to it, right? I mean, the parable of the talents sure seems to indicate that the, the, um, the more one is given, the more from one, the, for the how do you say that? To whom much is given, much is required, mm. right? Yeah. So, as a as a principle, if you you got to evaluate our church, our, our what kind of church are we? Are we the kind of church that's been given little or or much? Are, you know, and especially in, in the grand scheme of all the churches in the world, is Northview among what what are we among? And I would I would argue we among the five talent group. We're the ones that actually have been given resource and yeah. uh, ability and size and. Uh, I mean, capable people in many different settings and, you know, like lots of good pastoral um, help and all sorts of stuff. We don't lack for anything, I don't think. Right. So I I think that there is required of us more than just a, hey, man, we're just kind of sitting back and want to manage what we've got. I I actually think it's incumbent on us to actually to to aggressively multiply our church uh, to, to care a great deal about the other communities in the lower mainland that don't have um, a lot of healthy local churches, yep. both uh, it's our job, I think, to care about the churches that are there and see if we can help healthify them. Mm-hmm. Another word, again, not a word, not a word, but build them up. Yeah, sure. But it, also it, you know what? Most of the towns in our communities need more local, ch- healthy local churches. I, I mean, yeah. just, they just do. And so, uh, you know, we should be committed to planting and to replanting churches and to training right. pastors to go into those locations and being open to whatever right. that looks like. Right. Well, I think even Abbotsford, if we look at the last two censuses. Sensei? Censuses. Sensei? No. Sensei? We think it should be sen- like- census. Sensei. <laughs> Is it the right? Octopuses with the sensei? apostrophe? Sensei? Anyway, yeah. When you you look at them, uh, I don't remember. There was one done with the conservatives and one done with the liberals. Ooh, those liberals in 2016. Yeah. So I think it was 2012 and then 2016, the the two uh, sensei. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and Abbotsford's population increased, Mm. but the number of people who claim to be Christian and going to church regularly decreased. Sure. Like, and we're not talking like percentage, we're talking the actual like the f- numbers. Right. And if that's the case, that shows that uh, the fact that people in Abbotsford are more and more uh, not going to church. Yeah, or less and less inclined to be more there. And, yeah. Yes, less and less. Yeah, not totally. More and more not. And I would yeah. also, <laughs> I would add too, though, that, that uh, you know, not, every church struggles 
with, you know, its own issues. Ours does, every, every church does, and we're all working, I think, to be healthy. But uh, even in this day and age, I don't know if there's a real uh, settled conviction regarding what a healthy church looks like among right. other churches in our church. Mm-hmm. And like, so and that's what I want to define. Let's, what, what kind of church are we looking at? Like what, yeah. And if you start to define what a healthy church looks like, and I'm, I mean that biblically, mm-hmm. right? The kinds of marks that a church has biblically. Mm-hmm. Then I, I think if you look around, you'd be, you, you, you might come to the conclusion that just because there's a church on the corner doesn't mean that that church is actually healthy and right. that it's actually producing genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And so it's one thing for somebody to come along and say, well, town like Abister doesn't need any more churches or Chilliwack doesn't need any more churches mm. or Langley doesn't, whatever. Mm. And it's another thing for you to go and look at the, just because you do the numbers, you come up with that conclusion. And yeah. it's another thing for you to go and to actually look at the specifics of the churches you're talking about. Some of them don't right. actually believe the gospel. Some of them don't right. have healthy leadership models. Some of them don't actually do preach the Bible, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying is that we need more of those healthy kind of churches in our communities. And I don't think anyone really is going to argue with that in the end. Yeah. So, so yeah. our goal, I think in the, in the coming days, years, Ahead, and I hope probably for the I hope for the life of Northview is that it we end up taking up the mantle that I think the Lord has given us to be a kind of church that really does lead the charge, or one of the churches in the in the in in our country anyway that leads the charge into seeing a, a, a genuine gospel renewal in the country. Yeah. And I think we can have a significant part to play in that, but I mm-hmm. think it's going to happen through the context of healthy local churches with healthy pastors who are leading them. Mm-hmm. Praise awesome. God! Yeah. Praise God! Well, it was just Easter this past weekend, and uh, did yeah, any of you guys go to the Easter egg hunt that the church did? I didn't. No. My kids are all older, okay. uh, and they're past that stage, so nope. Jeff, were you there? Didn't take part. My uh, wife and children are there. Yes? Well, not all of my children, but yeah, the ones who enjoy, who enjoy running after colored eggs and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. I have a question for you guys, though. Yeah. Uh, do you think that this is uh, an unnecessary kind of syncretism? Mm. Do you understand what I'm asking mm-hmm. you? Okay, so we ended up having an Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, is that a bad thing? Uh, well, I think I don't believe so. Uh, I was raised. I mean, a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, my comfort level is is this and that because of the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. And so my background, I was raised. We were eating. We ate Easter chocolates, we colored eggs, we hid them, all that kind of stuff. And it was never seen in our family as something syncretistic. We didn't see it as... Just, I'm, you should define that word. Sorry, syncretistic? I, Syncretism yeah. is uh, taking in other worship practices uh, or other... Uh, I guess it could work into just customs of mm-hmm. the... It's like Mary, but yeah. normally it's it's worship. It's worship based, it's, it's right? Ma- it's marrying the worship of the one true God with the worship of idols, right? Yeah. So this is why uh, a lot of people have have issues with things like yoga, yeah, because yoga originally was intended as poses to work out your Hinduism, yeah, in different ways. Um, but Easter egg hunts, I've, I don't know, I, I don't know anybody who who uses them to worship any other god or anything. Yeah. So it, now I understand it. It's to do with the or the, I think the the rabbits and the eggs are supposed to mean like fertility. Yeah, I think that the time. I think that the ori- the original. Uh, I think that that in some of the early pagan uh, rituals around that particular time about mm-hmm. the coming of spring and stuff involved rabbits and eggs and that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. But um, 
I don't believe that that is that a lot of people think around those things no. in our culture. I think here. No. So would you have you, you could say that it's overly the way we the way we take Santa Claus with Christmas and we rob Christmas of its of its meaning. You could say that that's happening. Okay, so let, let me ask you that. Would would you, Daniel, uh, would you have as a church uh, Santa Claus show up at the end of your of a church parade, maybe a parade that the church has, maybe on the whatever, or maybe would you have Santa sitting there in the in the in this in his chair and you know having kids ask him questions? Would you do that? Like at my church? Yeah. Ooh. See, I'm kind of with Paul because. Uh, I have no, I have no issue with it. Is growing Paul, up, oh. I was told Santa. So get this. This here's a good one. Santa, my understanding of him growing up was he was uh, he loved Jesus, and he loved Christ, and because of the grace that he received in his life, he wanted to take after the wise men who brought gifts to the new baby child of Christ, and so he would go around, fly around the world, giving gifts out of his reverence <laughs> and love for Christ. Isn't that pretty good? That's pretty. That good. one's pretty good. <laughs> so and so the Easter Bunny does the same, but. So yeah, so I'd be like the Easter Bunny. It's a it's a game, right? The Easter Bunny. Well, it is a game. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't even humanize the Easter Bunny. It is a game. I, but for me, the the Easter egg hunt. To answer the question with the Santa, I have no idea. I just <laughs> I don't really. I think he can stay on the TV, and I don't know if I'd have Santa at the church. So this is one of the challenges that we have. Uh, that I so I think that if you're going to be a missionary. Um, one of the things that you have to recognize is that a cultural form is not necessarily uh, good or good or evil. So let me illustrate that. Like the computer is a cultural form, right? Mm. Uh, the television is a cultural form. The pen is a cultural form, right? These are all these are all forms. They're tools yeah. that express a culture's viewpoint, right? Yeah. So I don't think that cultural forms are are necessarily good or evil in and of themselves. Right. I think that they are used for good and for evil, mm-hmm. right? So I would I would say this about the computer. The computer can actually be. I have I have Bible software on my computer. I think it's used for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people use computers to to search for pornography, mm-hmm. or to okay? bully, or, or to... similarly, the internet can be used to proclaim the gospel, and the, the internet can be used to host internet, you know, uh, you know, jihadists or whatever. Sure. And so, so my my p- point here is that I don't I think sometimes we get caught up in the form itself. So so my question is is there anything fundamentally wrong with bunnies and chocolate and eggs and things? Well no. Mm-hmm. But the question is what is intended mm-hmm. in, in them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that we we can uh we can use this actually uh, and our common practice, or not practice, but our common, there's a commonality between the culture at large and what the church does on a couple days of the year in particular, right? Uh, Christmas is one of them, and Easter is another. Yeah. Uh, and we can utilize those particular days. I, I think there are others as well. I think you could probably talk about Canada Day and other things. I mean, we want to, you know, churches want to su- support the, 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 there are good things about Canada that we want to embrace, and churches can have, Moments where they say, this is great, we should. In the States, I know they have 4th of July services. I, I personally wouldn't do that. It's a little nationalistic for me, but at the same time, uh, you you can do that. But you're saying something very similar to what the culture's saying, but you get to clarify it. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get to end up saying, oh, hey, there's Santa here, and he's going to do whatever. But I get to clarify what this holiday's actually all about. Like, Santa's a game they play. we play. The Easter egg hunt is a game we play. But the holiday is really about... 
Christ, yeah. right? His incarnation and ultimately mm. his crucifixion and resurrection. Come so on. I, this is to me, I think that, that if you want to, if you want to reach out to your community, if you want to uh, engage people around, you have to be looking for bridges in which, because mo- most people live their lives, especially in the West these days, most people live their lives without even giving a second thought to who Jesus is, right. what his claims on them are. So you need to look for for those opportunities, like Paul did on Mars Hill. Look for opportunities to say, "Look, the, look, your your statue to the unknown god, right?" Or mm-hmm. your philosophers already talk about this. Or yeah. you're looking for bridges, and it's I, I'm not saying just the bridges so you can say, "Hey, we're saying the same thing." No, you're looking for the bridges so you can bring christological clarity. Do you do you know what I mean? But like totally. like a, clarify who Jesus is. Yes, to them, and that's what we want to do. That's part of the reason we have that we have the. Um, the Easter egg hunt b- before our dinner for our Saturday night service. And then we wanted to have people stay for this ser- for the service, right? Yeah. It, it, there is something really great to be able to celebrate together with our community and do something neat and see people in a, our community come onto both our property and feel like they're blessed and we are hospitable to them, which yeah. I think is awesome. Yeah. I think of non-Christians sure. who come to this right. and say, Hey, like we had a great time. We're really thankful for, the fact that a church would do this right. and, and welcome us mm-hmm. in. And, and our our goal ultimately is to, for them to experience the, the the kindness and and the common good that we we share and all of those yeah. things, but also at the same time to hopefully have an opportunity to push them deeper and to give them the thing they desperately need, which yeah. is the gospel. It so, gives them an on ramp, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But there are those I've been, you know, I've been actually confronted or spoken to by several people who have questions about that sort of thing. And I think this is a real live discussion because you, I mean, Paul, you brought up yoga. It's a similar thing. Is there anything fundamentally flawed about stretching? Right. And well, the answer is no, but you can stretch and worship to a deity that's not the one true God, but you can also, you can also stretch and worship to God, to to your God, I guess. And this is the debate that some people have. Oh, maybe you can take yoga. And there are, there are some people who aren't going to want to nuance that debate. And that's why there is a debate about it. Mm -hmm. Why there's a debate about things like Halloween and Easter and Christmas Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. But it's a big debate in the missionary world too. When you go, especially when you go into Muslim countries, Mm. they have different classifications of what type of, uh, like I think it's C1 to C6 yeah. or something yeah. like that, where uh, of how how much you will adapt yeah. your mission's approach to that culture and how much of the Muslim uh, way of life is a Christian free to live out in right. their mission in their mission. So work. how much how much do you need to change the the rhythms? Yes. So like can you can you worship Jesus on a Friday, which right. is when they have their the holy day right. in the Muslim world? Can right. you do church on a Friday? Right. Some people say yes. Others say no. Right. So, you, I mean, people are listening. You're going, oh, it's crazy. Some, you know, of course you can. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the debate among among miss, missiologists, people who study missions right. yeah. and how it is they're trying to come to grips with the calls to come apart and be separate, which is in scripture. Mm-hmm. And yet also the call to go and make disciples. Yeah. <laughs> which is hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. In so the that's end, a great I'm, talk I'm, for about the, I'm for the egg hunt because it's all right. You know, it brings you people eggs. together. Right. You like get chocolate. chocolate. People are laughing, and together at church. So, and there the gospel is proclaimed. Okay, here we go. But Easter, we talked on First Corinthians 15. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Any any other reflections from that? Um, yeah, that's a. You know what? It. I I said at the beginning of my sermon that I had like 15 points, and uh, I had time for five. So I give 15, us the other 10. 15 was. <laughs> <laughs> a little much. But you know what? The passage says an awful lot. It really does. It says an awful lot about the gospel. Should um, I read through it? I have it here. Sure. And if you want to interject, 
Jeff, you have another point or whatever, then just say it. Yeah, you're not going to get very far. Okay. Now. <laughs> I. Yes, I'm going to start with now. <laughs> well, there's the context of this passage really yeah, interesting. No, but the context of the passage is really interesting in the sense that uh, this this whole, like, why is Paul kind of going back to the basics of the gospel here? And one of the reasons is because the Corinthian church believed that the resurrection of Jesus either had already happened or wouldn't happen. And that had everything to do with their Greek thinking, their Greek background. The Greeks right. didn't, they didn't value the physical body. And so the idea of somebody coming along and saying, hey, Jesus, or you were going to raise physically from the grave, and that's the mm. great Christian hope. Yeah. There, If you were steeped in Greek society and culture and, and even theology among the Greek philosophers, you, <laughs> you would have thought, that's dumb. I, I don't want to be resurrected the, from the grave. The body's I want to, in prison. Yeah, I want to be freed from the body. So, totally. So they have been influenced. The Corinthian church has been drastically influenced by their culture on a level that it's actually changed and challenged Christian doctrine, which, just so you know, is huge implications for us, right? Because here, here comes Paul, and he's going to say, no, no, no. Look, you need to go with the Christian doctrine and not your cultural you know, whim here when it come, they come head to head. And I think that there's some important parts. That's a, that's a very common issue in our day. And I mean, I can pick out one issue that's yep. very popular these days is when you get to Christian sexual ethics and things like that. It runs yep. right up against, I mean, it runs right up against uh, the sexual ethics of the culture. In fact, there's a new book out that uh, is arguing that, um, is arguing that, uh, that you, that transgenderism is a Christian uh, you you can be a faithful Christian and transgendered, living out mm. you know your living out your transgendered reality, mm. and so the book the book is trying to argue, even from scripture, that that this is the case. Mm. Well, to be honest, this is exactly the kind of situation that was going on in Corinth, where they were trying to adapt the Christian story to their cultural assumptions, right. and Paul comes along and says, "Now, <laughs> right, like hold on." This isn't the case. In fact, there is a resurrection from the dead. Your bodies will be raised because Jesus was raised, right? Right. Therefore, you will be raised. And the the resurrection, I know you have questions about the resurrection body and what it's going to look like and how it's going to function and stuff, and he answers a lot of that in 1 Corinthians 15. But his his main point here is don't buy into the don't buy into the, the your culture's viewpoints on this matter you need to be instructed by the word of god and what mm. god says about his uh, reality yeah mm-hmm. praise god praise god so you got through one so word I, yeah. <laughs> see what i mean like there's so <laughs> yeah, no oh, i know then the next know, phrase crazy. is now i would remind I would you remind you and so i tried to play a little bit with the remind in my sermon yeah in my introduction, because but yeah. the gospel is something that need, we need to be reminded of, totally. right? Oh. And you can see in the context of the Corinthian yeah. church in this situation why they would need reminding of it, because it is we do live in these cultures and we do live in these societies that tend to tend to we, like we are preached at how much during the week that, by the society at large. I mean, yeah, that you find the power in yourself, right? Every well, every time we turn on the TV or the internet, go look at Instagram. Instagram, like values of our commu- of our mm-hmm. society, are being preached to us, mm-hmm. um, and yet we have like what? In many cases, we have like forty minutes a week that we hear the Word of God expounded to us. Some of us don't reach the sc- read Scripture that much, so there's not yeah. a whole lot of time that we're soaking our minds in these things. And so, like reminding is a big deal for us, and I think that ultimately that. That that is part of you know the the gospel is often lost in 
it, when we don't consistently come back to it and remind ourselves again, okay, this is what it is. This is what matters. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've, to be reminded regularly is such a key thing because, um, like you said, a lot of people aren't reading their Bibles regularly or they don't even go to church every week. So how, how if, you, if you aren't availing yourself and giving yourself those opportunities that are in front of you, if you aren't taking them, um, how are you going to be reminded? And so that's why it's important to, um, to be involved with uh, or attending your local church and reading your Bible and prayer and being involved in community groups where you can actually hear stories of how the gospel is impacting the lives of other people mm-hmm. in your friend group and in your church. Yeah. 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 So he, that's the line. I, now I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you, mm-hmm. which you believed, which you received, sorry, which you received, and on in which, which you stand. So that language of in which you stand is interesting. I didn't bring it up in my sermon, but it's language that Paul uses in other places to talk about the change of basically a change of address from one governing authority to another. He talks about now that you've entered this grace in which you now stand in the book of Romans. So you used to live, I, I did this in Romans when we were there. We talked about law land and grace land, mm. if you remember that. Mm. Yeah. But that's the image and language that he's using there is the same, is the same idea that, that to be a Christian is not just to have your sins forgiven. It's not just to receive the gospel as some sort of mental assent. It's actually to change address. Right. It's, it's actually to make one's commitment into a new realm of governance, a new way of thinking, right? The government has, by the way, massive authority and control over you. Yeah. So that's what it means is that yeah. you don't just, these guys didn't just receive it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on which they've taken their stand. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that, that defines them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Jesus isn't, he's not just your savior. He's also your Lord. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. The Lordship of Christ is something that's so such a massive implication for us. But I think that that part gets lost a lot in today's church. Just the fact that he is actually the one who has authority over you and can actually give you commands mm. of thing of the way that you should live your life. Yeah. Where I went in my but sermon. We don't like that. When I went with my sermon in that, it's kind of tying both of those is how Paul has a massive change of address. Like mm. he goes from jihadist killing Christians mm. to then taking that same zeal and now being on mission for God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's a complete 180 and he's just, he becomes an unstoppable force yeah. because he's no longer, yeah. Like in Lawland, he's just completely changed. Yeah. Which is, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then, so you can see, my point is I don't want to belabor yeah. it. There's so much here. Uh, there is what, what Daniel, I think that you uh, made or we're, we're talking before we began our, our podcast about, it's interesting that he, when he starts talking about how, when Paul starts talking about how the, um, about Jesus, he says he was, he was buried and the, and then he rose. Yeah. And it's, mm. it's interesting. Um, if you read the wider context, meaning the rest of the book of first Corinthians, it's a real concern of the apostle Paul that they recognize that this is a physical thing yeah. hmm. that this, that Jesus, that's part of probably why he mentions the burial of Jesus, that like he, he actually was dead. He was an actual physical person who went into the grave and he rose the same physical person out of the grave. And that's a huge implication. This isn't just a, it's not a vision that he saw, right? Yeah. It's not some hallucination. It's not a feeling he had in his heart. The, re- the resurrection of Jesus was a physical thing and he was the first fruits, as 
as yeah. Paul says in well, other places, of, of those who will follow, that we will actually raise physically as well. Yeah. It, uh, two things. One, it, it counters the Gnostic notion that once you die, like your spirit's free to go explore the, the next realm. He's saying, no, like Christ came back to life in a physical form. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. your, so, and your body matters. Yeah. Which is, which is a big deal today. In our cultures, right? Because you were talking about transgenderism before, which is a real Gnostic view. It's that the real you is the one inside who gets to determine reality. Right. So your physicalness doesn't really matter. When the truth is actually, no, your physicalness does matter. It matters to God a a great deal. He's going to actually resurrect you. Paul, you're probably going to look, in the new heavens and new earth, you're probably going to look like you do now. Yeah. Right, I have no idea. Just better, but but also I don't know. I like glorified. No idea if you're gonna like <laughs> like be muscle bound. Does that mean I'm gonna be shiny and, and stuff? Yes, but you know yes, what I mean. It does. Most people think, oh, well, that means that I'm gonna be in shape all the time. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, it seems to me that the, the Lord likes different shapes. Jeff, right. the like the there's a physical. If the, if this resurrection is physical, then it seems to like point towards heaven and hell being physical as well. Yeah, and so if that's the case too, then that's a real Im- important mm. side of it. One of the things that I also brought up was how uh, there's a lot of anxiety around death, even back in this day. I mean, today we tr- we have the ability to el- elongate our lives through medicine and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's not. People still die, and a lot of people are terrified of that. Mm. And when for Paul to say that Christians, like if you're a Christian, you don't die, you just go to sleep. Like he talks about, mm. there's these people who have seen. Jesus. Some of them are still with us. You can go talk to them. Some of them have fallen asleep. Yeah, it's the language that he uses at the end, which is yeah. a really interesting way to talk about death, right? It's, it's a yeah. beautiful way of talking about death, that you will wake up from your yeah. sleep. And he, he's the, deliberate about that. Yeah. That you're, they're just, which of course, some people have taken that to means that when you die, you go to soul sleep, meaning that right. you're just like not aware. You know how when yeah. you wake, you go to bed at night and then you wake up the next morning, you're mm-hmm. like, what happened all that time? Yeah. That there are some people who believe that theologically, oh, that's what happens to the dead. They're yep. just waiting mm-hmm. for, you know, they're waiting in an unconscious sort of state for uh, the return of Christ so that their body might be resurrected. That's not that's not what Scripture teaches. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But yep. Scripture also teaches, though, that the final destination of Christians is not absence from the body. It's actually in a renewed body on a new heavens and new earth, which is probably going to look an awful lot like this one, just better. Right. So Paul says yeah. my body, but better. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. I mean, do you probably going to have like, you have a six pack now you probably like a 12 <laughs> just pack. insulated. You know, <laughs> it's, it's I'm keeping it's it some padding protected. <laughs> but I don't know. Actually, some guy kid asked me that one time. So that mean that I'm going to be really buff. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know, but I do know that. Uh, yeah, this is the first Corinthians fifteen is about that resurrection body. What is sown perishable mm. is raised imperishable. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff. Oh, it's yeah. great. It's a great hope. So if you like soccer, yeah. this is a point I, I always like to make. If you like <laughs> soccer, you get to play forever. You'll probably be good at it. Or you like basketball. There's nothing wrong fundamentally with basketball. It's just you probably won't be a, such a jerk when you play it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean you'll necessarily hit every shot. No. But you won't be, yeah, you won't, the competitiveness yeah. could be there, but in a, in a sanctified in a healthy, way. In a healthy, sanctified way. Yeah. And the refs will always get the call right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he hopes. <laughs> no, <they're> probably not. <laughs> will there be refs in heaven, Jeff? That's, that's the real there. question. Totally. Right? He's down there. You get a bad call. Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> I thought we were done with that. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, just to close this off, then is 
the fact that, yeah, Jesus didn't die for our metaphorical sins, mm. but he died a physical death for our physical, our physical rebellion against God, mm. because we make conscious choices that result in physical rebellion on this mm. earth mm-hmm. that harm other people, sometimes harm ourselves, right? If not, yeah. or always harming ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that requires a physical atonement yeah. and a penal substitutionary atonement that is Christ taking the penalty for that sin. Mm-hmm. But then he proves that he actually beat the sin by raising a physical life yeah. after death. Yeah. Yep. Man, you could go, that's, that'll preach. Hey, Jeff, mm. that'll preach. <laughs> that'll that's what Andy preach. always says to me. I'll say, Andy, I'm thinking about saying this. Yeah, buddy, that'll preach. There you go. And then he goes back to writing another book. Anyways, this has been uh, The Human Project. <laughs> this, this has been, been the extra, yeah. extra podcast. Um, we look forward to next week. And if you're on leadership, uh, we hopefully will see you at that uh, meeting uh, the, on Saturday morning, right, Jeff? You bet. Pancakes or something. I don't know. Probably waffles. Something bready. What something waffly. There'll be. I, I have no some idea sort of meat. Be there. Maybe some orange know. juice. There and will be meat. There will be tea and coffee. I can guarantee you that there is going to be tea and coffee. This has been the extra podcast. See you Join then. us next week, where Jeff will show us how to throw a three pointer. Oh.